0: the mini break. Your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, July 20th. It was a fairly straightforward day of results across our five tour-level events on the calendar this week. Of course, on today's show, I will recap all of the action talk about who stood out the most here on Thursday in Bostad. It was a fairly straightforward day for our top seeds. and On today's show, we'll explore how guys like Kasparud, Andre Rublev, and others ended up in the winner's circle in Stad. Again, I thought fairly straightforward. Now, some of you may look at that result of Pedro Casheen 6-6 six and six over Roberto Bautista Agu. Certainly an upset given RBA was the top seed this week in Stad. That said, RBA is under five hundred. On the year and that's something we have explored throughout the course of this season what has been really his first down season in about a decade now I do want to explore the result talk about what allowed Kashin to have his success look at where he is currently in his career because I think that's a guy not a lot of you tennis fans will be familiar with so we will explore that result with a little bit more depth in Stade. talk about the other winners on the day Munar, Ramos, Vinolas and then of course my birthday brother Juan Pablo Varias in New Newport, only two singles matches on the day. You got a lot if you watch the Newport highlight package of Jordan Thompson versus Adrian Manorino. And truth be told, that was your best match of the day. Thompson mounting a heroic comeback effort from a set and 5-2 down. He manages to somehow force a third. Nevertheless, if it's a grass court, you know Adrian Manorino's having success. He pulls through in three sets. We'll talk about that one. Ugo Umber back in a tour-level semifinal for the first time in a long time. Again, on today's show, we'll take you through all of the ATP action. We'll take you through the WTA action as well, a rather steady, Day of results was fun in Palermo. To see a couple of top seeds have some success, Kasichina, Sharif, Paolini, all advancing to the quarterfinals. The dramatic result of the day, a three-set win for Kami Osorio, 6-2 in the third over Erica Andriva. We'll recap all of those. Talk about what was our first, dare I say, calm day of action in Budapest. Look at how players like Timofiva, Podoroska, uh, and others find themselves still alive in the quarterfinal round. So again, on today's show, we're going to recap all of Thursday's action so that all of you tennis fans feel well-equipped for another championship weekend in the tennis world, of course. Before we get to today's show— I do want to point all of you mini break listener pod uh mini break podcast listeners that's how you say that in English I want to take all of you turn all of your attention again we're struggling with the English leave it in I want to turn all of your attention to a podcast I recorded here on Thursday with a co-host of this mini break podcast returning champion david kane joined me on our great shot podcast feed to break down some of the newsier items of late in the tennis world we talked about what was that debacle between toth jung shui in budapest dk runs you through exactly what happened we offer our opinion we talk about the backlash to the incident where we go from here uh, we also talked about the news of alex virev being a accused for a second time of physical assault by a former spouse. Not a lot of details into that investigation thus far, but certainly worth discussing. So if you want to hear about the news year items or you want to hear DK and I pontificate about some of the really fun year-end races to monitor down the season's home stretch, where things stand in terms of races like Player of the Year, Tour Finals fields, Next Gen Finals fields, it's a fantastic discussion because we wanted to focus on the five tour-level events here on the mini break feed, we decided to house that podcast over on our Great Shot podcast feed. I believe I've already tweeted out the link, but if you don't follow on Twitter, again, you can find that episode over on the Great Shot podcast feed. I assure you, All of you mini break listeners, you'll like not only that episode, but everything we offer over on the GSP because it, like this show, and everything we do here at Crack Rackets is tennis-focused. And as always, a shout-out to all of you listeners for tuning in day in, day out. A shout-out as well to the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point, -point tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products at the best prices in the tennis world. With that said, though, let's get to it. Here's what's happening. Here's what happened. Excuse me. Leave it in. Here is what happened. We were rolling. I felt like I finally found the rhythm in terms of my English. But here we go. Here is what happened on Thursday across our five tour-level events. Let's start in Bostad, where certainly we have our highest-profile players in action. It was a straightforward day for the top seeds. I'll start by... Offering my impressions on who I thought played the best, and certainly. I think you'd have to go with Casper Ruud on the day, just given who he was facing, the dangerous Russian, Alexander Shevchenko. I think the reason Ruud's also my most impressive player on the day is he just hasn't played a ton of tennis since the end of Roland Garros. Now, of course, he reached the final at the French Open for the second straight year, thus consolidating his spot inside the top six of the ATP rankings, inside the top eight of the race to the year-end finals. But... You know, this match against Shevchenko was just his third match since the end of Roland Garros at the start of June. He played two matches at Wimbledon. Now this third match here in Bostad. And look, he's talked openly throughout the course of the season about needing to pace himself better if he hopes to continue to be able to peak at the big events down the season's home stretch. That's why I was particularly impressed by his level today in a six-two-six-four victory over Shevchenko. Now, there were some struggles on serve and I suppose that's to be expected given the long layoff in match play for Kasparud made only 53% of his first serves on the day, but he was only broken once in the match, and that break came via back-to-back double faults in the opening game of the first set. He pretty quickly righted the ship, and more than anything else, it was how explosive the ball was coming off of Kasparud's racket. He was going after his forehand, and I thought the depth of his backhand continues to improve when he gets under that ball, accentuates the elevation of that ball over the net. I know it's not the heaviest ball. It certainly looks slow on your TV screen, but there's just not a lot you can do coming off of that Casper Root backhand as, again, unthreatening as it looks in comparison to the moneymaker that is his forehand. It's the improved depth. It's that he can hit his target. It's that the slower the ball comes at him, the more action the ball has not necessarily in terms of pace but in terms of revolutions top spins he's able to generate he does a really good job of getting outside of the ball and pulling that ball cross court to open up space for himself to run around hit the inside in forehand which of course he hits so effectively he was in control in this match against Shevchenko and look Shevchenko has got real weapons from the baseline rude was able to manage them Rude was able to impose his will far more frequently, hit his spots so effectively. I do think the pace and, more importantly, the action on his forehand, that ball just got into the body of Shevchenko, and as such, Shevchenko just didn't have as much time to unload into those groundstrokes as he may have against lesser competition. I'm not writing off Shevchenko. Again, this was a really impressive performance for Kasparud into the quarterfinals here in Bostad. Now, again, only had to win one match to do so, but it is worth noting it's what? Quarterfinal number five for him on the year. All five quarterfinals for Kasparud this season coming on clay courts. Obviously, there's not a ton of clay court tennis left on the calendar. He's going to have to get his hardcore act together. But you know what helps when stepping onto a hardcore? Just having confidence in your results, in your level, and certainly Shevchenko, a win over Shevchenko will help him feel such confidence. Uh, also worth noting now, he's going to face Sebastian ofner ofner threw in three sets over Bernabeza, Zapata Morales. I really like the 27-year-old Ofner's backhand who, by the way, Ofner's sitting at a career high right now, 58 in the rankings, entering the weekend, reaching this quarter. Final. he's up to a new career high, number 51 in the live rankings. He's 27. It's it's a guy my age, so maybe I feel this one a little bit more pressingly. Um, But look, Ophner's 60-26 in his last 52 weeks, 49-18 here this season. He has gone the the non-scenic route. He has earned it. He has put his head down. He's made 10 uh this is his 10th quarterfinal of the season the first nine all came at the challenger level now it is worth noting he is 8 and 1 in those nine challenger level quarterfinals he's made six challenger finals this year only one challenger title but six challenger finals by july you do that you make a quarterfinal like he has here this week in Bostad. You make a round of 16 run like he did this year at Roland Garros. Again, it's a very clay court-centric schedule for Sebastian Ofner. And his forehand, how extreme that grip is, the whip he does with his elbow on the uh, in his backswing on a faster surface against fast weapons, that forehand's going to be a problem. The backhand's not. Oh, is his backhand beautiful? How quick he is with his hands getting outside the ball. There's not a shot on that wing. He can't hit. Guys rock solid physically. He's just really good. And again, on a quicker surface, forehand's going to be an issue. But you look for uh, Oefner now in reaching this quarterfinal here in Bostad in terms of ATP tour-level quarterfinals in his career. It's his second and his first since 2017. And it kind of signifies what has been a steady rise for the 27 year old. He's been really good of late. You know what? There will be a tweet about Sebastian Ofner coming from the account at AL a.k.a. me, uh, in the next 24 hours because that is something worth noting. Again, really well done from the 27 year old. Tough test now against Rude, but it's a really physical match against Pata Moraes, And, you know, again, Ofner ultimately threw in three. Bottom half of the draw, saw a couple of other seeds advance as well. They'll now go head-to-head. Alex Zverev going to take on Andre Rublev. Look, it just feels icky talking about Alex Zverev giving the looming assault charges hanging over him, given the fact that the ATP Tour has yet to release a statement. He's just, you know, he plays today as if that report wasn't released yesterday. And I understand, innocent until proven guilty. But you would like some sort of acknowledgement, if not from Zverev himself, certainly from the two to or acknowledge. Hey, we realize what is happening right now. We have opened an investigation ourselves. Look, we talk about it more. David Kane and I on the Great Chat podcast feed. So we'll leave that there for now. I'll tell you what on court, Zverev was flawless today. Six one six love over Diego Montiero, lefty, heavy topspin into the backhand. It was just. You know, again, it was as if it was drop and hit feeds for Zverev to just tee off on. And Zverev's into a quarterfinal. He has no points to defend the rest of the season. So it's as I've said earlier, I would be more surprised than not. Uh, I'd be more surprised if he didn't, excuse me, reach the top 10 by the end of the season. If he is able to play a full schedule, Than if he doesn't, currently 19 in the live rankings, needs to win a couple more matches to get... Uh, approach Lorenzo Musetti, who, for what it's worth, is also in these Bostad quarterfinals now. There's a 245 plus 150, 395-point gap between Zverev in 19th and Hour in 17th. The gap starts to get a little bit bigger as you approach number 10 in the rankings. But again, Zverev has no points to defend, and guys like Tommy Paul and Borna Chorich with his Cincinnati title coming up, you know, FAA at the end of the year, they have a lot of points to defend down the season's home stretch. Again, Zverev, every, point, every match he wins is just points added to his ranking moving forward, and so he's into another quarterfinal in Bostad. He'll take on Rublev, who went down in early break, and if you've watched some Rublev matches of late, That's been a trend, and yet it's, you know, against Ibing Wu. He went down an early break against Greek Sport. He went down an early break. Sinego at Roland Garros obviously loses that first set. Yet he came out responding. You know, again, there were a lot of drop shots off the racket of qualifier Pavel Kotov. And once Rublev tracked those down, once the nonsense went away, the pace of his ball was just too much for Kotov to handle. So 6-3-7-6, Rublev advances. Again, he's broken twice on the day. 175% of his first serve points. I thought it was a fairly standard day from Andre Rublev. And, you know, obviously, again, he's one in five in the career head to head against Zverev. But if memory serves me correct, Rublev did win their last matchup when they faced off in Dubai earlier this season, three and six. So we'll see where Rublev is. We'll see where Zverev is. That is certainly on paper a very entertaining quarterfinal matchup. But again, it just, it, it's weird. To talk about Zverev with everything looming over him. Nevertheless, again, we want to keep you up to date on everything. So, your quarterfinals: Rude vs. Ofner, Musetti, Misalich, Coria, Cerundolo, Zverev, Rublev. Rude, twenty-seven point three percent favored according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast, but Rublev's twenty-one five, Cerundolo sixteen, Musetti sixteen six, Zverev fourteen seven. It's anyone's ballgame. That is a, you know, again, you've got five top 25 players playing a 250 this week in Bostad. Buckle up. That is a very, very fun tournament to monitor as we will continue to do throughout the week here on the Mini Break podcast feed. Let's move on now, though, to our other ATP clay court event happening in Stad, What's the most notable result of the day? It's probably Pedro Cachin, 6 and 6 over Roberto Bautista Agut. And look for the 27 28-year-old, uh, excuse me, Argentinian currently 90 in the world reached a career high number 54 at the end of last season. He's 32 and 30 overall in the year, but that's because he's played a lot more ATP level matches than he ever has prior in his career. You look for Cachin again, 28 years old in terms of Tour-level results, 19 and 28 overall in his career, so that's what, 47 matches, 29 of those 47 matches, 50% of his tour-level results have come this season, he's 11 and 18 overall on the air, but he's into his first quarterfinal of the season now at the tour level and on clay, and just the second- quarterfinal, I believe, of his career at the ATP level, the first coming all the way back in 2019 in Cordoba, he was really physical, just again, was able to withstand the relentless patterns of RBA, and if you've watched enough RBA, he's going to go backhand cross, backhand cross, try to open things up with his own inside-out forehand before he yanks you just wide enough to either A, hit the inside-in forehand, or B, he yanks you just wide enough that you, as his opponent, feel compelled to try and test him down the line, and then he hits his on-the-run forehand, which has been a staple of success for him throughout his decade-long tenure. Inside the ATP top 100, uh, top 30. And he hasn't left the top 30 RBA since 2014. May of 2014 was the last time Roberto Bautista Gu was ranked outside the top 30. He ain't going to need a second job. You look for Roberto Bautista Gu in terms of the career earnings. RBA career earnings according to the always reliable friends at Wikipedia. 16.6 million. 36th all-time leader in earnings. And that's just prize money. That doesn't include endorsements. That doesn't include appearance fees for exhibition events. I am sure it also doesn't include taxes, but he's probably made at least... I imagine RBA has got $10 million in a bank account somewhere or maybe spread out across a couple of bank accounts. It's not a bad tenure for his career. He's 15 and 17 overall on the season. Again, he hasn't finished under 500 in ATP season since 2012. And in that 2012 season... He, was 20, he turned 24 years old. It's been a decade. It's just there's not as much chutzpah on the ball. I think he is tracking that on the run forehand well, but he's just not hitting it with quite as much pace, quite as much tenacity. He, he's been really bad on clay courts this season. And, you know, you look for RBA now overall in the year. I mentioned 15 and 17 overall on clay courts here this season. Four and seven overall on the year. I look, three of the losses were to Hachinov, Elkarez, and Zverev, but still, it's losses to guys like Cashin, Chechenato, Helis, all in straight sets. Just not accustomed to seeing that from the Spanish veteran, and again, it was a credit to Pedro Cashin, who played a really good match today, and you know— was solid. Like, he didn't do anything spectacular, but he didn't hurt himself. He, I thought he had the bigger first serve. He played two outstanding tie breaks, connected on a couple of plus-one forehands, executed a brilliant drop shot in the second set breaker, seemingly out of nowhere. But he didn't do anything spectacular, and you used to have to be spectacular to beat RBA. That just hasn't been the case this season. And look, is 35 years old. Like, eventually... The finish line approaches for everyone. And by the way, he's still a top 100 player in the world. You look for Roberto Bautista Gu. He's 35 in the points race this year. Now he's got title points to defend next week in Kitzbühel, and he loses that. He might fall out of the top 30 for the first time in about a decade, but he's still playing very good tennis. He's still getting into slam main draws. He's still racking up at least 200,000 a year, right? And you do that as long as you can as a pro tennis player. Why not? The days of him being a lock as a top 15 player, they're probably over. He's still really good, but I don't think he's a top 15 player anymore. And, you know, again, credit to Pedro Cashin through to the quarterfinals. His second career quarterfinal will help keep him inside the top 100, which gets you into results. uh, Events like Canada, like Cincinnati, keeps you in the ballgame to play whatever events you want to play. And that's really all you can ask for as a 28-year-old in the prime of your career. He's through the quarterfinals. Next up, a matchup with Munar. Munar fighting off multiple set points and a 5-3 deficit to ultimately earn a 7-6-6-1 win over Stan Wawrinka. Stanimal came out lights out. Like, oh, he was hitting the inside in forehand. A couple of them that he striped to earn the break of Munar early in set number one. It was Stanimola of young. It was Stanimola of old. It was wonderful tennis. But, man, Munar just wears you down. The ball slowly comes in a little bit deeper and a little bit heavier than you expect. He sneaks forward to the net a little more frequently than you would expect. And for Munar, he's into another ATP quarterfinal. Now, Munar had fallen outside the top 100, 110. He's currently 107 in the live rankings. It's been an up and down season for Munar. 26 and 31 in his last 52 weeks, 18 and 20 here this year. It's his first tour level quarterfinal since Santiago back in February, just his second tour level quarterfinal of the season. You know, he did win around at Wimbledon. Now he gets to a quarterfinal here in Stad. Now he gets the ball rolling as you look for him. Made a quarterfinal in Stad last year. After that, no quarterfinals on his resume from August onwards in 2022. Now he did win an ATP match in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five different – nope, four different events. It's not a ton of points to defend. Again, he's in that vomit zone. Should get into some things – Right on that ATP cutoff—right uh, on the cutoff line for getting into the main draw and being top 100 for the U.S. Open. But, you know, one more win over Pedro Cashin, and he's all the way back up to number 92 in the live rankings. And then you are getting into the U.S. Open. You're probably getting into the Masters events now with those expanded draws. It's a big win for Munar, a big opportunity for both he and Pedro Cashin, though for what it's worth, Munar 5-0 and in the career head-to-head. Yeah. I would lean Munar in that matchup as well. That's a massive opportunity for the Spaniard. Bottom half of the draw, really good tennis between Ramos-Vinolas and Senego. Ramos-Vinolas through 6-4 in the third. You just know what you're going to get in Ramos-Vinolas on these clay courts and, you know, you look for him now 24 and 35 in his last 52, 14 and 24 here this season, quarterfinals in Cordoba, Rio and Stad third quarterfinal of the year what do they all have in common they're all on clay courts that's where uh, Manor, uh, excuse me Ramos Vinolas makes his living. you look for him in his career at the ATP tour level he has made 59 different quarterfinals 49 of them have come on clay courts your honor i rest my case clay court specialist you make three quarterfinals at the tour level. That's how you keep a top one hundred ranking with this result. Ramos Vinolas holds his ranking at number eighty-four. Not a terrible place to be for the thirty-five year old Spaniard. Next up, he'll face my birthday brother, Juan Pablo Varias. Two and one win for JPV today to advance to the quarterfinals in Stad. He is now into quarterfinal number what? two of the season for him at the ATP tour level. You look in his career now, Ramos Vinales into a fourth tour level quarterfinal. All of them have come on clay. He made the quarterfinals in Stad last year as well. 66 in the world, entering the week in reaching this quarterfinal. Now Juan Pablo Villas, does he sustain his ranking? Now he's currently at 68, but one more victory will take him all the way up to 59, and that would be a new career high for a guy whose age I'll never forget, 27 years old. That one's an easy one to remember. It's JPV versus Ramos-Vinolas. Ramos-Vinolas, 3-1 and one in the career head-to-head, but JPV a favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. And you look right now at the draw in Stad. Here's where things stand. Hanfman. Twenty seven percent favorite, 18 eighteen four, JPV fifteen five, Kashin ten point five percent. The matchups tomorrow: Kashin versus Munar, Hanfman versus Medjedovic, JPV versus Ramos Vinolas. Zizou Bergs taking on Bjamir Kasmenovic. That's pretty darn fun as well uh, for a quarterfinal Friday in Stad. That said, again. I think the other three events, the result's a little bit less surprising, and so perhaps we can rapid-fire through them here. Ugo Umbert, 2-4 and four over Kevin Anderson. It is the first time in a long time that Ugo Umbert has reached the semifinal round of an ATP event. In fact, in reaching the semifinal here in Newport, it is his first tour-level semifinal since Halloween. Back in June of 2021 with the result to Ugo Umber. Sneaky. Back up to number 38 is the big serving lefty, the 25-year-old. It's back in the mix. It's where you want to be. You know, again, he has done it the hard way, whether it be via the Challenger Tour, whether it be playing qualifying at these tour-level events. He's now 27-16 overall in the season. That includes two different challenger titles as well as a third challenger final. First, again, tour-level semifinal and quarterfinal for him this week in Newport in quite some time. That crowning achievement, that feather in the cap that just says Ugo Umber is back. He was broken once on his way to that 2-4 and four victory. Just was able to overwhelm Kevin Anderson with his pace. Nevertheless, a good first week back for Anderson up next for Ugo Ambere is Adrian Manarino who oh my god he was so good in the first hour 30 minutes in building a 6-0 5-2 lead over Jordan Thompson but man Thompson scrapped he clawed he worked his way back he forces a third in the end 6-2 in the third though for Adrian Manorino, that was probably my favorite highlight package to watch on the day. So if you're w- choosing to watch anything, make that the match you choose. Manorino, 35 years old, 34 in the world. It's always good when the ranking is less than your age. Um, I mean, look, for him, he made finals of Mallorca, semifinals in Newport, quarterfinals in Den quarter quarterfinals in Queens Club, He he drew Medvedev in the second round of Wimbledon. Otherwise, maybe he makes a quarterfinal there. He's the only guy who the six-week grass court season really matters to. Again, it's the surface he has the highest win percentage on in his career. A job well done for the 35-year-old who just manages grass court tennis as well as anyone this side of Djokovic or Alcaraz. Again, it is ultimately Adrian Manorino. Ugo and Bear advancing to the semifinals. They await the All-American top half. Tommy Paul versus John Isner. Mackie McDonald versus Alex Mickelson. Isner 2-0 in the career head-to-head against Tommy, but obviously he's never faced top 20 Tommy. Mackie Mickelson is just athleticism. It's shot-making. That's a fun one. Buckle the seat belts, folks. Those are your Friday quarterfinals in Newport. In Palermo, the quarterfinals are now set as well. And let's look at where things stand in our WTA action. A straightforward day for top seed Daria Kasakina. She earns a two three in one, excuse me, victory over Barkova. Casakina just has points to defend in every pocket of the season from last year. And, you know, after a slow start to her season. I know she made a final in Adelaide, but after that, didn't reach a quarterfinal between the end of Adelaide and the start of Charleston. She's righted the ship. Semifinals in Charleston, round of 16 Rome, round of 16 Roland Garros, finals Eastbourne, a third round at the Wimbledon, uh, third round Wimbledon lost to Azarenka, nothing to scoff the head at and now a quarterfinal here in Palermo 23 and 16 overall and the year now is Kasichina 16th in the points race 11 in the live rankings look she made the year on finals last year I think given the plethora of weapons some of the other some of her peers possess that was probably the ceiling for Kasichina and I don't say that in a diminishing way I do think she's a top 25 player, and I think settling into this 11 to 16 range, again, that's how you make a living. That's how you don't need a second profession moving forward. And, you know, Daria Casquina is just really solid across all surfaces. She's going to make a ton of quarterfinals. And again, last year was the amplified version of that. If this is the status quo year, though, or again, you're 16th in the points race and you're holding firm in the top 20, that's where you want to be. If you're the top six, uh, if you're the 26-year-old Casquena, because you're just in the mix everywhere, she's going to take on Jasmine Paolini, the Italian, 6-2 in the third over Diana Yastremska, 2-2 in the career head-to-head. By the way, with that win, Paolini, who uh, has worked her way, the 27-year-old, back up to number 54 in the live rankings. That's a fun battle. Maya Sharif threw 3-3 three and three to set up a battle with Kami Osorio. Osorio, 6-2 in the third over Erica Andriva. Osorio someone else who had fallen outside the top 100. She's now all the way back up to number 66 in the live rankings. 21 years old. Another quarterfinal on clay. I'm not going to lie with you listeners. Tomorrow's my day where I'm locking in on Palermo because I really like all the matchups. Kasichina, Paulini, Cerebes, Tormo, Burrell. Sorio Sharif, and then, to me, the best match of the day. I know how good Zverev Rublev is, but the one I'm most interesting in, uh, interested in, how does the continued success momentum being built up by Emma Navarro face uh, – do against the relentless weaponry and, you know, the brilliance that can beat Jung Chin Wen. That's a really fun matchup to monitor tomorrow. And that's a quarterfinal. Maybe I'm locked in on more than anything. Now, you look at this Palermo singles forecast. Kasekina, 29% favorite. Sharif, 19-2. Chin Wen, 14-6. Saribes Tormo, 12-2. Osorio, 10-5. Setting wins ballgame in Palermo. And again, I'm going to lead the show with that tomorrow because that's where I'm going to lock in the most in Budapest. It's going to be a funky set of quarterfinals. You look at the results we saw on the day. The big upset, the lucky loser, Maria Timo Fiva, one-and-one one over Diana Schneider. The 19-year-old Timo Fiva, 246 in the world, into her first tour-level quarterfinal of her career. She'll take on Kaya Yuvan. Uh, we talked about that result a little bit yesterday. Your quarterfinal matchups, Timofeva versus Yvonne, Podoroska versus Avanisian Schmidlova versus Claire Liu, Fanny Stoller, uh, who again pulled off the upset 7th, 6th and 3rd over Tatiana Maria yesterday? She'll take on Katharina Bain Dell after Bain Dell. A 3 1 victory over Amarisa Toth is worth noting. Toth came out with an apology to Jung Shui after today's match. Bain very kind in her words to Jung Shui after the match as well. Uh, again, for more on that controversy, be sure to check out my Great Shot Podcast episode with David Kane. But with that said, That's where things stand, heading into quarterfinal Friday on the Pro Tour. Of course, we will be back tomorrow to recap all of that action, and if you've missed out on anything, you can catch up with our various podcasts. This show, the Great Shot Podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast, where I had Carousel, Clay Thompson, two former UCLA standouts uh, join me to talk all things regarding the tennis world fun times here at cracked rackets a lot of great content if you missed any of it you can catch up on our website CrackedRackets.com. a shout out as always to our super producer daniel west for the <laughs> of an ending job he does day in day out making all of our content possible a shout out to him a shout out as well to our dear friends at tennis point remember it's tennis Point.com. the promo code is cr15 with all of that said for the fantastic Daniel Westoff, our super producer for our friends at Tennis Point and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.